I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday. So make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. The hardest part about um, about being gay is having to pretend I don't love Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and... And, and that, you know, we're supposed to boycott things, but like, I hate so many people that if I were to boycott anything that where oh, yeah. somebody I hated profited, yeah. I'd have to just like live in a field and eat mm-hmm. grass like a cow. Like yeah. that would yeah. be my existence. That's what they already think that lesbians want to do. Right? Well, we do. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of, it's, like, kind it's of not true. far off. <laughs> yeah. Is the grass organic? I'm ducking out, you're ducking out. Let's duck out together. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that recognizes fall as the official season of lesbians. So throw on your best flannel and boots and scissor like you mean it. I'm Carolyn Bergier. <laughs> I'm Sarah York. And today we're diking out with author and activist Garrett Conley about gay conversion therapy. Uh, Garrett is the author of the memoir Boy Erased, which has been made into a feature film that will be in theaters November 2nd. We are so excited to have you here, Garrett. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is great. Great. <laughs> This is a terrible is week, but it's yeah. <laughs> it's a great way to. It's a terrible week, but we're glad you're yeah. here after the past couple of days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just want to be in lesbian spaces That's right great. now. Anyway, if you'll allow me, it's I a know. good place to be. It's terrifying. You're actually the, uh, <laughs> the first or oh, first yeah. gay man on the actual podcast. We yep. have our. Uh, 
Patreon adjacent content oh. where mm-hmm. we had Matt McCormick Smith come on to talk about um, the Golden Girls, which is appropriate. <laughs> Obviously, that's, what, that's what we all talk about. Yeah. That's all we do. Uh, it's the only way we just we... wanted to give everyone just like a slice of life into like gay culture. It's like we, it's mostly it. Golden Girls. It's yeah. almost all Golden Girls. Yeah, that's actually it. I mean, seriously, my husband and I watch Golden Girls almost every night. Yeah, it's, it's the a perfect like end of yeah. day, like just yeah. put it on kind of show. You mm-hmm. don't have to really invest in it, Although, but you can just have it on. I watched a really weird Golden Girls episode last night. Oh yeah, which one? Not to bring back Golden Girls plus. Oh, we can. Yeah, yeah. We have an open door policy on Golden Girls. (laughs) Like it was one of those episodes where you know that they're trying to make a really good point Mm. and they're going to eventually get to it. It's like their lesbian episode where you're like, oh, it's going to get there. It's going to get there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm ready. I was on the edge yeah. of my seat on that episode. You're like, what are they doing? Do they know what they're doing? I don't know. And then it turns out okay. This one did not turn out okay. It was a little person on the episode, and they made oh. fun of the little person like the yes. whole time. You know this episode? Yeah. Uh, my wife watches Golden Girls every night as yeah. well, and she was telling me about that it's one. It's <laughs> messed up. And I then, don't think I've seen it. It's like they do the whole thing where they're like, oh, reversal, he's a person too, but like two minutes of it is that and the rest of it is just like an excuse to make jokes was yeah this about really weird. being small what was the yeah. story was this someone that rose was dating yes okay yeah. i think i have seen that episode and i and i remember being a little uncomfortable i've only like, really watched how the show could like you once. break up with me yeah which is such like, a weird yeah i mean kind of, yeah. i like that it put it back on rose for like those two seconds yeah but that was one of, i don't know like from a craft perspective i was like oh the culture wasn't there yet, even yeah. though they were in the right camp, you know, the, it's just interesting to think of like what's it going to look like decades from now when we're doing our art and people are like, mm, almost, yeah, you almost got it right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you didn't quite get that Kavanaugh joke correct, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our listeners are really good about pointing yeah, out yeah. in real time. Oh, when I'm we, sure. When we do something that they <laughs> yeah. don't like. And it's we get good. like 14 paragraph emails. Oh no. Keep it I'm coming. We love them one. though. I'm yeah. going to get one already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep it coming, listeners. We do love it. Oh, speaking of Kavanaugh jokes. Yeah. Before we get into it, can you actually raise your mic oh, up a yeah. little bit? Is this? Just so, yeah, yeah. This just so it's at yeah, yeah. mouth level. Got it. There we go. All right. I always want to be mouth level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're funny. Uh, <laughs> I was a little bit worried that we were going to struggle to be funny on this episode <laughs> oh, given yeah. that it's gay conversion therapy, but we oh, are no. off to a good start. Uh, no. yeah. I've talked okay. about it so much now, I'm like dead inside, so it's fine. <laughs> Perfect. It's fine. That's how we like our guests. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well-informed, dead inside. Yep. I mean, that's what you have to get to <laughs> yeah. to survive the culture, honestly. It is, yeah. It's one of the questions on our questionnaire for yeah. screening. Would you consider yourself, yourself dead, dead inside? inside? <laughs> yes or no. If you're too alive, it's going to be uncomfortable yeah. for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Uh, we don't like to see innocence. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> yeah, so the Brett Kavanaugh stuff had me wanting to uh, throw up all over myself. Yeah, so oh. I think I might. Yeah. As of we, this recording, yeah. we should probably let people know like where the where when the we're, Yes, as of this are. recording, they um, passed him. They voted him through the committee, but contingent on the fact that there is a one-week, very limited in Completely scope. Completely arbitrary. Yeah. Uh, Just so that Jeff Flake can look like not a total cowardly Flake. piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Whose name is what an aptly named person. Oh, I can't stand him. Yeah. Just like swooping in to do a thing to sort of 
appear as though he's yeah. doing more than what he is. Well, he's just like then, the epitome of a fucking mediocre dude in that case, totally. you know? And, and he, he's retiring. Well, he has nothing to lose. I don't get it. He does it, and then people are like, oh, thank you, Jeff Flake. And you're yeah. like, no, thank the two women in, in the, the elevator. elevator. And harassed That's him to it. the point of, like... <laughs> You know him actually realizing. I I don't know if he if he, I I highly doubt that he personally feels any sort of moral obligation to do what he does. I don't believe any of these men have a moral compass, Mm-mm. but he I think he I guess realizes the optics of it with <laughs> with being filmed in the because I think if he had I honestly think had he not been on camera when those women approached him, he probably wouldn't have done what he did. But yeah, he, he's yeah. pressing he that button like. Oh, yeah. Like, like no one has ever wanted an elevator door <laughs> to move in their life I mean, worse than him. What happened like during the day of the hearings It is such like a snapshot of what's going on in America mm-hmm. right now because everybody watched it and there are two very different interpretations of what yes. happened. And when you hear the other side, you're like, are you fucking insane? Mm-hmm. Because I was watching Brett Kavanaugh be an entitled, angry man who loses his temper when he mm-hmm. doesn't get what he wants. Yeah. Comes off super rapey. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> also like a alone. partisan the, hack, the too. Face, yeah. Also partisan, uh, belligerent, rude, disrespectful. I'm like, this guy is self-destructing. Oh, I yeah. did not imagine that he was going to go up there and did that. I did not think that. It was how I thought this dude was going to go up, be level-headed, keep his cool, yeah. be like, "Look, this isn't me. I go to church and daughters, wives, yeah. women. Oh, they love it. They that. love me. Here's so all the women no I way. own. So, <laughs> this is like, so I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. I own three them. of you. <laughs> like that's literally how they look at us. So whatever. But basically, but yeah. instead he was so destructive and came off so horrible and then they're like that sounds like a guy who's just really angry for being accused of the wrong thing yeah. I'm like uh, what have you ever been accused of the wrong thing because probably not like right <laughs> yeah they're like I've never been accused of any of my wrong things <laughs> yeah <laughs> also there's like such a catch 22 in that performance of his because he had to like speak to Trump like he knew yeah. Trump was watching so he had to act like that belligerent monster yeah yeah. and then it's like that's the very thing that disqualifies him from being a judge if anybody cared right yeah. you know, if anyone cares about what this actually is <laughs> which no one does no. like we're talking about someone who is supposed to be a part of the one of of the branch of our government that is in you know supposed to be nonpartisan a check on the other two branches, and this guy is like shrieking about a democratic uh, Clinton like conspiracy, conspiracy theory. Like full, he basically went full Alex Jones. Oh yeah, yeah. in the you know hour or two or whatever, and just uh, can you imagine the other justices being like, like even Roberts has got to be like, please don't let this. Oh my god, even the conservative <laughs> ones, I have to believe, are just like, oh, this guy's a maniac. Yeah, they want someone <laughs> with a little bit more chill. Yeah, yeah. For yeah, someone who likes beer so much, he has no chill. <laughs> right? I love How beer. How many times God, do you say dork. beer? Uh, there is a super cut of it, and it's I'm pretty sure at least 25 times. Also, I'm not sure if it's more terrifying that he's lying about not drinking other drinks or if mm-hmm. he just likes to drink beer that much. Yeah, I don't like, trust anyone who exclusively that's drinks weird. beer. Yeah. There, that's are, weird. there are a lot of alcoholics who exclusively drink beer. Yeah. Yeah. Beer, yeah. beer because though, if you're an fine. alcoholic, is a hard one to. You got to drink a lot. Yeah. You have to drink a lot. That. It smells and it's like cumbersome to transport. And you pee a lot. Yeah. Like true alcoholics, well, true professionals 
drink vodka. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's also like the, the fewest calories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the thing about being an alcoholic who sticks to beer, just based on people I know yeah. in my life, is that it seems innocuous enough. Like, mm, I just right. like beer. It's Don't a socially like passable beer? thing yeah. to drink. It, and people you can tend to lie lose to track yourself. quantity. Yeah, you can lie to yourself about being an alcoholic when it's beer because right. you're like, it's, it's just, just beer. Beer. It's beer. And being an alcoholic doesn't mean you're constantly trashed all right. the time. It's that you need to be consistently putting alcohol into your body or else. Or every time you do drink, you drink to the point of a blackout, which is like not good. It's not. Yeah, exactly. Also, no one's talking about the fact that he has, that he had like $200,000 in credit card debt just disappear very recently with no increase in his or his wife's income. There were were so many things outside of this allegation that should have disqualified him. There's enough outside of this to be like, "Mm, like, like, he might be a gambler, you know, like that there are people who think that that's that's part of it, that he has a gambling problem mm. and someone stepped in to repay. I just can't, I can't figure out why... Why the why Republicans when the, when presented with a sea of options, there are enough anti women ghouls to overturn Roe versus Wade. Yeah, like we're not short on these people. Yeah, there are women who. Would I was do just going to say, there's the even a woman who. What's that yeah. her name? The something. She was on the short list, but anyway, yeah. why not just pick someone else? And that's why I think there's something. Someone has some information on someone. I think it has something to do with money. I think someone paid. Paid. I, I don't know. There's just there has to be a reason they're I digging did, their heels in for him. I did see something that there is a case that's coming to the court in October that um, it's a double jeopardy law about if you've been tried for something or um, uh-huh. proven innocent in uh, on a federal charge that you can't be charged on the state level, which, which for would Donald Trump, to Donald Trump and and his, all of his mm, associates, right? And they're I, saying oh, that that's fuck, maybe that's why the reason because they're going to need him on there to sway. One yeah. direction, another, which down the road would. There are so many possible yeah. reasons, but also but- like the timeline itself. You know, like if you look at, I looked at like five thirty eight, like the yeah. the limits of like the investigation into them, and like the confirmation process. Yeah, he's like right on the cusp of the shortest time period. That, oh wow! So so if they even try to find somebody else, there's no way they can do it properly before the midterms. Yeah. yeah. So that has to be affecting some of this. Yeah. They're like, Oopsies, they are on the clock because the oopsies, midterms, we yeah. got a rapist, but yeah, we got but a, we only have what 39 days yeah. or something until the midterms, which is also days. weird because I, I would think that if they didn't confirm somebody before the midterms, that more Republicans would come out to ensure that the Senate, but the Republicans are going to be mad. This is what's weird. We don't understand their brains. Yeah, like, like I don't. they, they're I really like, don't. if you don't get Kavanaugh in there, and if you don't secure this conservative Supreme Court, we're not going to come out for the midterms. They're actually that stupid. Oh yeah, yeah, that makes no sense. Yeah, it's the opposite but of what you should do. If I you're don't worried. understand Republicans, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're, I, they're bitter people. They're yeah, bitter. they're really just horrific people. <laughs> yeah. Like, I try to think of, like, what's their platform? They don't have a fucking platform. This no. is an entire political hate. party that doesn't have a platform. It's just hate. It's anti-LGBT, mm-hmm. anti-women, and pro-power, pro-power corporations. That stuff works. It does. It's always yeah. worked. Yeah. Yeah. They're sick on power. Um, but enough about Bart O'Kavanaugh. Yeah. <laughs> And boofing with his buddies. Oh, my God. And the devil's triangle. What? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a quarters game. Yeah. Yeah. Bullshit. Quarters uh, is quarters. Yeah. Yeah. Like, come on. 
Ugh, gross. God, dude, just grudging up all that stupid high school, college bullshit terminology, that stupid yeah. boy shit from. Ugh, like, and they all crazy. terrorized me in high school. I mean, yeah. I can't help but just like project everything onto him. Oh, yeah. I feel like every gay man in the world <laughs> yeah. is watching this going, mm, like. We know at you. At the very yeah. least, bullying trauma comes back. Yeah. yeah we know you, fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's. I, for all this to be going on and like the humiliation that he's facing with having to talk about farts and uh, his like <laughs> beer consumption thing. and having all these people come out and like tell about these drunk stories, but like he is so and he feels so entitled to this seat and yeah. like anybody else would look at what's going on and be like, this is not worth the damage it's <laughs> no. doing. And I need to withdraw because this is bigger than me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is bigger than me deserving this. And there are other people that will rule the same way as I will. And I should just go back to my yep. life and yeah. take care of my family and, and he whatever. And still have his old job. Yeah. He's oh. still, he would uh, yeah. Totally yeah. still, have he's still his old a judge job. in the second highest court. Yeah. Isn't he in the second uh, he, circuit? Yeah. He deserves the best. Yeah. He went to Yale. Yeah. Right. He got it's into like, Yale so he can't rape. Right. Yeah. A life of just... <laughs> Like, what a perfect illustration of what a life of just constant wealthy white male privilege and how he, it warps your he brain. He got into Yale uh, without any inside help, even Nobody though helped him. his mom was a judge yeah. on the Maryland circuit and his dad was an attorney yeah. and he went to prep school. No help there. He went to a prep his school that like, funnels kids into Yale. self-made. And it's so hard to drink at night and yeah. then go do a day job. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. I didn't drink. I had a thing to do the next day. Like I was every lifting single with Toby. person in New York is drinking more than he did, probably. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> like doing a better job. Right. Like people that just function every, like drink a bottle and a half yeah. of wine every night and are that, fine. That hits really close yeah. to home. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do want to talk about Dr. Ford because I, I think oh, yeah. anybody yeah. who watched her testimony or even read it, uh, anybody who's is or knows anybody who's been affected by sexual assault has to know with 100% oh, yeah. that she is telling the truth. No doubt. And the other thing that makes me so furious is the implication of like, oh, we believe that she was assaulted. We just think that her memory is wrong and that it wasn't this guy because it's not some dude coming out of an alley mm-hmm. and attacking you when it's somebody you know in your life Think about any traumatic moment you had, whether it was being like rejected by somebody oh, yeah. for a date. You remember who that person was. Yeah. So when somebody is on top of you, pinning you down, yeah. like there's no possible way yeah. to forget that unless the entire thing is made. Like to, to think the mental gymnastics to think that yeah. this woman made this up, that she's been going to therapy years ago, mm-hmm. talking about this, talking with her, her husband about this and to think this is not a credible story. It is 100% mm-hmm. credible. And for people to say that, uh, Kavanaugh is believable based on yelling or uh, yeah, like a calendar yeah. that doesn't say rape night. Like- right. <laughs> and it just, and that, to me that, that also illustrates this really, really flawed way of looking at sexual assault that particularly people, you know, conservative people like that look at it as like, they do imagine the, the, you know, the, the cloaked figure in a, in an alley Mm -hmm. as the person who is when, when statistically it's, there's fucking empirical data that proves it's usually someone, you know, it's usually 
an intimate, or you know, it can be an intimate partner or someone you're just on a date with or something. It's, or it's friend, almost yeah. always someone you are already familiar with. Yeah. Rarely. I mean, it does, obviously the stranger things happen, but like, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's not a fucking person in the alley, much like people who think that you can't be racist if you don't literally wear a clan hood and yeah. go to it. Like, well, you know, all of its projection. Yeah. I mean, they're basically like imagining the shadow figure that is them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're like, <laughs> and they're all thinking of the times. That <laughs> oh, it's done not something me. I wasn't similar. in an alley. I didn't have a cloak on. So yeah. I, I didn't yeah. do it. Yeah. You know, it's really messed up. And she's so, I mean, the way that she had to speak, I feel, you know, mm-hmm. I thought it was very authentic, but also I was sitting there thinking like, oh, she has to be so incredibly smart to do this authentically and to speak in a language that they can, I don't think that they believe her really, or I don't think they care. That's even worse. I think, yeah, I think they mm -hmm. believe her, but they don't care. But like Mm -hmm. she spoke in a language that could potentially pierce through all of their bullshit because she was so calibrated to like what they would want to hear. Yeah. And that to me, well, it's just tragic that she has to do that. And then also that like Kavanaugh did the exact opposite. Yes. And spoke mm-hmm. in a language that revealed that he is a liar. Yeah. And yet everyone is spinning it. I mean, even like, well, I shouldn't say even, pretty much every news source that's televised is pretty lame. But mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I think he was pretty believable. And I'm like, what are you talking Based about? Based on what? They're doing that whole two sides two bullshit sides. that is driving yeah. me crazy. Just it mail is. them all a two-sided dildo. Yeah, yeah. Here's right? your both yeah. sides. Oh my god. <laughs> the better both sides. Which one? Do you, which one do you prefer? <laughs> I, he, one with spikes he, on it. Yeah. <laughs> how how is being defensive, evasive, uh, not answering right most questions directly? Like there was even I saw a graph that showed all the times when Dr. Ford answered a question mm-hmm. directly. Oh, the blue, the, the blue, and the, the, the red. Oh my god, it was yeah. great. It was not, you know. Yeah. But it, yeah, I mean, you'll still get the two sides thing. And the people who are saying the things that you that you mentioned, Carolyn, about like, I believe her, I just don't believe this was the person. Like, those are people trying to toe the line mm-hmm. and yeah. trying to, I think, maybe possibly internally grapple with the morality of it and what they actually... But the implication but of then, saying something like that is like that trauma survivors can't yeah. believe that their memories. Like aren't I think that's accurate. worse. I'd rather people yeah. just say I don't believe her. Yeah. Honestly, like the the ones who the the far right conservatives who were like I don't believe her. He's great. Let's do it. To me, that's more palatable than these fucking yeah. You know, towing the line in the middle of like, well, I do, but assault survivors can't be trusted. It's just yeah, weak. yeah, yeah. It yeah. is. It's just like you know what? Just come down on the side. Just <laughs> just, just tell pick us. a side, tell please. Us who you are. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Ugh, it's making me crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't even talk about that. I mean, my mom is totally on on Doctor Ford's side, of course, because she's been you know through stuff. And um, but I do not talk about this with my dad. I'm like, yeah, I'm just not even gonna. Figure. I know I yeah. should probably and like yell at him and stuff, but I'm just like I can't. I can't know what people think in that town. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's too scary. Man, I know. What town are you from? What's where it's called? Mountain Home, Arkansas. Arkansas. Okay. Yeah. I like yeah. to call it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> that whole town is like crazy. They listen to everything, and then they tell my dad like what they heard. Yeah. Anyway. Oh man. Um, so I know you're listening. Yeah. Saying I'm Shout talking out. about dildos. Yeah. <laughs> Go tell dad I talked about two sided dildos. <laughs> 
Can you imagine? Um, oh God, no! I don't. I don't even communicate with my dad anymore. To be honest with you, like, I mean, a little bit, but like, it'll be like on a family group text kind of thing. Oh, but that's I think cute. he's yeah. he's uh, uh, he's one of those. He's conservative. I know he voted for Trump, but like. I almost I'm I'm choosing to remain ignorant of how if he's a Trump supporter because voters and supporters are two different things. Yes, they might. I we've mean, discovered. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there. I will never forgive either of them. But like, you know, there are people who voted for him and now deeply regret it, and then people who voted for him and are like the MAGA hat wearing Fox News, or they're not that overt about it. I yeah. don't know. But I, I'm I, I literally am too afraid to find out where he stands, so I just don't speak yeah, to him at all. I know. <laughs> like that's. I just I would I would like to hold on to some hope that he thinks Trump's a Same. moron, yeah. you know. But I don't need to find out. I'm doing this new thing now where, like, if I get in an, a, a Lyft or an Uber, and I'm like talking to the driver, and he's suddenly a Trump supporter, which happens a lot. Oh no! It's actually a surprise. Really? Yeah, because like I've been traveling a lot lately, and it's just happened a really insane number of times. Like outside of New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. Like now, I used to be like the, you know, docile, sweet, you know, southern boy. But then I'm now I'm just like I argue with them intensely. And I go, there was an hour-long drive. I was in Telluride for the film festival, and there was an hour-long drive from the Oof. airport. And he started in on it, and he was like lecturing me. And I just like for 50 minutes shot down every single one of his arguments. And I was like, this is actually my burden. Yeah. I'm, I'm a white man from the south. <laughs> And I have to do this. This over is your and superhero over origin story. I have to. Yeah. <laughs> it was like I felt it. And I was like, I hate this. I hate every single part of this and how uncomfortable it's making me, but I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Jared, I'm glad you have sacrificed your Uber rating. <laughs> I mean they're ma- your Uber rating's got a tanking. And now they're they're matching you with the drivers who also have bad Uber ratings. Oh, I right. Know. So that's why so they're I'm just all Trump more supporters. Trump supporters. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's meant to be. This is how you can... My you husband, can, who's oh like God. Pakistani, was like in... This is what's kind of terrible, where I get one-track-minded, and I'm like, I've got to convince this man. And my <laughs> husband is like right next to me, and he's like looking at me like, what are you... He's going to kill me. Like, what are you doing? Right. Oh and <laughs> so like halfway through, he's like, he like forcibly made himself fall asleep, I think. <laughs> 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 and the guy's like ranting about immigration, and oh. he goes... I was like, well, you know, I think we should be compassionate, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, do you even know an immigrant? And I was like, my husband is this, sitting right here. This person in the He's vehicle? An immigrant. Oh, <laughs> my God. And he's like, oh, okay. Like what, they just we're don't. dealing with some real I like, Yeah, You live in New York City. Do you know do an immigrant? Do I know immigrant? an immigrant? Have <laughs> I ever, ever spoken to an immigrant? have met someone who isn't from this country. <laughs> I can't sneeze without sneezing on an immigrant in New York City. Yeah. Uh, which well, is because I'm married to one also. Yeah. Right, yeah. It's racist to sneeze on an immigrant. Oh, man. Um. Garrett, you know, you are actually the second guest on this show who has had a movie made about their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I'm kind of impressed with. Not yeah. to yeah, toot our own this horn. is your thing. But the Spin-off. first one, so we had Alyssa Robbins uh, and her movie Bex, which mm-hmm. was more loosely based on her life. Yeah. That'd be nice. But this is a memoir. <laughs> this is your life translated yeah. into art on the big screen. Uh, are there differences between the book and the movie, I imagine? I mean, first of all, like writing the book required a, 
a sort of distance because you had to think like, okay, what is it structurally? Sure. And anytime you tell a story, it's definitely shaping like, like it doesn't feel like facts anymore. You know, yeah. you sort of, you're like, the tea kettle's green now mm-hmm. and the room was really, you know, I don't know, like sometimes you change the timeline and yeah. things like that. So there was some narrative distance. However, I was like not at all ready to see like a depiction of myself played by Lucas Hedges yeah. in the film. Because, you know, in my book, there's so much interiority and I'm like querying the Bible and like playing with stuff like that. In the movie, it's like Lucas has so few lines. I mean, he's a great actor that you can see like every bit of the pain on his face and, and you know, what he's going through. So that's really great. But I'm like watching it and cringing because I'm like, oh my God, I look so stupid. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just like nodding along with these like crazy bigots who are like, you should go to conversion therapy and you're an abomination. And I'm like, mm hmm. Right. Yeah. And like, that was hard because at least I had the upper hand while writing it to be like, writing circles to around these people. Control. You know? yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so much of it is an internal monologue of, mm-hmm. of what you're feeling. So it's not like, you know, your character on screen yeah. is going to go around being like, this is what I'm thinking. And I, right. or you're not going to have like a wonder that. years yeah. uh, voiceover, yeah. you know, like it is hard. And uh, I know the comparing it to, to Cameron Let's pose, but I'm going to go there. I'm Let's sorry. Go. Let's it, do it. But it's the same thing that yeah. the lead character in that also doesn't have a ton of lines. And there's so much from the book, mm-hmm. which is not, a memoir, mm-hmm. which is like a fictionalized. It's almost like an. Depiction. I've talked with her about this, Emily Danforth, yes. and she was like, "It's it's almost like an alternative timeline. Like a lot of it feels very similar to her childhood. Yeah, but like people were wanting her, or potentially there was a fear of going into conversion. She could have therapy. seen her life going that way yeah. easily, and so yeah. it was like that was her like alternate history. Yeah, yeah, and it definitely feels like that because it does feel very real mm-hmm. and obviously it was something that she had done her due diligence she on did a lot before of on that. yeah, before yeah. writing about it. Which um so so yeah, the lead characters not being able to explain all of the complex things that go on in your head when you're being confronted with this and mm-hmm. being torn with these um these two things. So how happy are your parents that they're being played by Nicole Kidman and Russell Crowe? <laughs> like, you don't have to buy them Where anything they for Christmas Australians? anymore, right? <laughs> they love Australians now. Great. Um, my, yeah, that's kind of funny. Yeah. I know. There's so many Australians. And Troy Sivan is Australian. Oh. Yeah. And technically, Flea is Australian. Oh, really? I didn't I don't know, know that. I know this. No, he, I know nothing about him. He w- I, from- well, I learned. Yeah, last year yeah. was part of the project, but um, he he was born in Australia. Okay. And he lived there until he was two. Oh, right on. Yeah, so we have so many Australian connections. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, my my mom was thrilled. You know, there's a little irony that like the the first couple of weeks after I was out of conversion therapy, my mom was my mom's really sweet and very in some ways naive, or she was. So she would be like, now, Garrett, I now support you, but I just don't really understand what it is to be gay. And I said, Mom, imagine the sexiest woman, like female movie star right now that you can imagine. And she was like, I don't know, Nicole Kidman. (laughs) And I go, do you want to make out with Nicole Kidman? And she was like, not really. And I was like, I don't really either. Yeah. (laughs) 
I was like, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Um, it's not I mean, that I, complicated. I, I might not turn it down. Right. You know, I might be like, okay. We'll yeah. See, you know, but I wouldn't be like jumping at right. the opportunity. Yeah. Um, except for like to use it as a story. Yeah. yeah. Right. Of course. Um, but uh, yeah, my mom told this on the stage, like in Toronto. On oh the my film god! Festival. And she was she, like, Nicole Kidman was sitting right next to her when she told the story. So oh my, god. my mom was beyond thrilled to be played by her. I mean, yeah. she's immortalized in film as this like graceful, beautiful person. Yeah. Plus, now anyone who reads your memoir <laughs> we'll is Nicole. just going to be we'll picturing, <laughs> yeah. as I did. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I knew what you looked like. So I was picturing like a young you. Okay, yeah. Good. And then good. Nicole Kidman. Yeah. yeah. That's an odd combo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where, you know, where did the redhead go? The red hair go? Yeah. Right. It's not there. Um, my dad was, had a complicated reaction to being played by Russell Crowe. I mean, I think his first thought was like, oh, shit, now it's like a big thing mm-hmm. and I can't ignore it and yeah. no one will ignore it. Yeah. Um, Did that kind of help your parents realize like, oh, this is a movie. Yeah, movie. like a movie. It's going to be everywhere. Of. Yeah. And it's going to be in Mountain Home, Arkansas, played at the theater. Yeah. You know, like it wasn't yeah. just like a coastal. Yeah. Like we're just going to have a few. Um, so that was like, that was That an must have been a shock for, for them to realize. Yeah. Because when you're going through that reality they probably didn't realize like oh this is motion picture worthy shit that we're doing (laughs) right yeah (laughs) that had to be the last thing on their mind right that's kind of crazy when a couple of academy award-winning actors play us we're not gonna look great in this part think of how many things you like do in life that you think is just normal and they like make a movie about it where everyone's like what an insane yeah Circumstance, but That's when you're tough in part it, for them because they yeah. keep hearing that they're like, I can't incredibly imagine. brutal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what? I didn't realize. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the the funny thing is they really didn't. I mean, like their problem is that they didn't do actual research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just listened to these crazy old church members who'd said to do this, and yeah. that, that's how patriarchy works. Right. Um. But um. Yeah. I mean. Russell Crowe randomly visited my dad at his church, like without any warning. Mm-hmm. Ah. I got a phone call. You're taking the role pastor, seriously. Right? Yeah, yeah, he's a yeah. pastor. I uh, I got a phone call from a producer on the film, and she was like, "Do you know where Russell Crowe is?" It's a Sunday morning, and I'm not on set, and yeah. I'm like, "Why the hell would I know where Russell Crowe yeah. is?" <laughs> She's like, "Well, we we have a reason to believe that he might have flown a private jet to your father's church this morning." And I was like, oh, fuck you, and like hung up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like two hours later, my dad calls and he's like, you're never going to believe what just happened. And I was like, Russell Crowe came to visit your church randomly. He <laughs> was like, yeah. Wow. So like they was hung doing out. This during filming? Like during yeah, the it was process? right before yeah. Russell was supposed to be on set mm. and he didn't tell anyone who was going to do it. And then he like probably charged them for it. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, <laughs> was it accounting that called you? Yeah, right. You'll never guess what we. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna um, have to renegotiate your royalties yeah, yeah. because Russell's exactly. private plane the fees. Private he just plane. took half a million. <laughs> um, no, I mean it was really it was an it's an odd sensation to realize that Russell Crowe and your dad are hanging out. Yeah, like and like talking, and you're like, what is? I'm scared. Like, mm-hmm. what's yeah. happening? Like, I don't know if I really. Completely trusted Russell Crowe to begin with. <laughs> right, right. And then you're like, okay, yeah. they're both 
these two people. <laughs> I, I have a, a, a quick aside about Russell Crowe and my mom because my mom thinks Russell Crowe is so hunky, but then also my mom does too. follows mm-hmm. it up with saying that he looks like my uncle. And I'm like, don't mm-hmm. put those two Weird. things together. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, whatever she needs to feel, I guess. Whatever, Dottie, yeah. just do it. So my, my dad is a big prankster. And uh, I mean, me and my sister are as well. But my mom and my sister were in France visiting my dad, um, and my dad decided he was going to say that Russell Crowe was in town making a movie. Oh, God. So he mentioned it, and my mom was like, really? So she was kind of like on high alert, and then he would go into stores and tell the cashier to oh like bring God, up the fact that elaborate. they saw oh, wow. Russell Crowe like Just an hour earlier. Just goose chase in her mind. This yeah. is psychological Can we do manipulation. this in real life? Yeah. <laughs> I bet Russell would do it, honestly. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was There's like a very Ellen gimmick yeah, kind of thing happening. Totally. <laughs> so my sister That's how is... how we'll get on Ellen. Yeah. Right? My sister is telling me that she is um, like... I don't know. She she's like fully on board. She's giving me the play by play. She's like, mom keeps stopping to like retouch up her makeup <laughs> everywhere. She's like looking into every mirror she passes by is because so, she what is a hilarious convinced. actor to be that. That she's going to meet Russell Crowe. So then she also, like, when they kind of wanted to reveal that it was over, wanted me to text my mom a picture and be like, I'm at this restaurant and Russell Crowe is here. So I found a picture of like Russell Crowe at a restaurant oh in New God. York, and Did then she was like, it? "So, well, it was and like him at a restaurant, yeah. like okay. yeah. Getty just images, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah." So it just made it look like I snapped this picture of Russell Crowe in a restaurant, sent to my mom. I'm like, "You will not believe who's at this restaurant right now." <laughs> right before Azalea Banks accused him of spitting on her. Right. Was it, was it Azalea Banks or who was it? Someone. Someone. Uh, he's, he's not been. He's throwing phones. Yeah. He's spinning. He's, he's, he's a weird guy. You know, I will say he was actually very sweet on set, even though he was, he liked to play pranks. So mm-hmm. he like showed up. Um, I was, I was like on set and he showed up and he was dressed completely as my father with like all the makeup. And he, it's really uncanny. He has my dad down perfectly. Oh, wow. wow. And he, he came over with the accent and everything, like everything perfect. And he goes, I'm proud of you, son, and like hugged me. And I was like, I don't oh, know what I'm supposed to feel. That's weird. Like, is it supposed to be fu- like? How are you know. supposed to respond? I didn't know, but I liked him. I mean, yeah. it was like he. Yeah. I don't think he. Uh, he meant it in a nice way. Yeah, yeah. You know? Just, I mean, actors are weird. Yeah, they are in general. Yeah. They're just yeah, they just bizarre want, people. <laughs> they want the attention all the time. Yeah, and that was yeah. a weird moment, and everyone paid attention when he did it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, he's been nice. He's like. He follows my mom on Twitter and like flirts with her, and it's sweet. Your mom's on Twitter. My mom is on Twitter. Carolyn's mom would be so jealous. Don't follow (laughs) my mom because I mean, follow her, but don't because she just posts all the movie stuff all the time, and that's all you ever see. Oh, sure. Like she brags for me. Like I don't do anything. I I've like completely backed away because I'm like this is gratuitous. I'm not going to talk about this film. And I'm like really careful about it. My and mom, the studio's like, uh, actually, yeah, could you do the opposite? <laughs> yeah. And my mom is like, look, here's 15 pictures of me and Nicole Kidman, and they're all the same, but like slightly different <laughs> angles. And you're like, yeah, mom, everyone wants to see all 15 of those. Right, right. Every single one of them. I think that's exactly how my mom that's would, so, would I was going to say, I, that that's, that's classic sounds, mom on social yeah. media. When something <laughs> huge happens with Like your you kid. have to share every yeah. angle. Yeah. Yeah. Of that's that. so funny. <laughs> I love that. That's too good. Uh, one other 
thing that I want to talk about in terms of the movie was there was some talk, and I know that you've addressed this about uh, casting and yeah. in terms of casting queer actors. I love to talk and about this, actually. yeah, one interesting thing, and I don't know if it was uh, Emily Danforth who, who said it, but what what a weird thing that uh, films are being criticized for not casting gay people in gay roles where it would be wildly inappropriate to ask a teenager or like a very young person who's never talked about their sexuality mm-hmm. to yeah. be like, first off, are you gay? I right. Right. Actually, this is, right? I, I could talk about this forever because <laughs> Joel was like very careful because so I sent him this five page document, like right whenever we were in the beginning of negotiations. Yeah. And I was like, listen, if we're going to do this film, it has to be done right. Or Mm -hmm. at least we have to take some steps forward. Like it's never going to be perfect, but we're going to take some steps forward. Yeah. And the first thing is going to be we need to make sure that these actors that are playing the characters in Love and Action, which is the facility I went to, need to be queer or as many of them as Mm -hmm. we can. Yeah. And he was like, great. I totally agree. And so we immediately got, you know, like Xavier Dolan, the French Canadian gay director, and we got Troy Savan. But then it was like in casting the other unknown people, like a lot of them were teenagers. And he was like, I don't know how to approach this. Like, what do I say yeah. Yeah. to their agents? Like, do I say only out LGBTQ people or people that are in the closet or wink, wink, like you know Mm -hmm. that something's going on and they'll resonate with the story. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's kind of a a weird thing. And um, sorry, Uh, Lucas, Lucas who plays you, he's played a a gay character in Lady Bird. you know that? No, I well, I heard him. I read that he he said that he's like on the he's spectrum. on the spectrum. Yeah, he's yeah, not straight. okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that oh. He doesn't identify as straight, but yeah, you know. I mean, I like I'm really defensive about it because he was he talked to me about it like when we first met, and that's the condition under which I was like, yes, you should definitely do this. Yeah, because I wanted to know that he had a real connection to the material. Sure, and he told me about his first crush, like in basketball camp, and how his mom. Like helped him through it, but he still felt shame. And one of the things he said that was really helpful for knowing if he was right for the part was he said, you know, I know I grew up in these privileged spaces, but I still felt that shame. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like really astute for like a 20-year-old talking. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah, okay, you got the, you got it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we're happy that he's on there. But it was really weird to like – to have to keep pushing and say to Joel, like, make sure they're gay. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, you know, somewhere on the spectrum. And it was, for the most part, I mean, we can't out anyone that's in it. Yeah. But Joel kind of, like, sent out this, I guess it was a kind of awkward email where it was, like, people who have close connections to this kind of material would yeah. be preferred. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things he asked all of the Love in Action characters to do was to actually take a notebook um, and write down like a character study from using their real experience to huh. say like how they got to that camp. Yeah, and that was his way of like getting like sort of secret access. Yeah, to knowing. Okay. So you know, it wasn't a trick or anything. I mean, he told him what he was doing, but I think yeah. it was like he wanted to make sure everyone was there to contribute to that feeling of like oppression yeah. and, or like what it feels like to be oppressed by that. And so, you know, some of the people there I think um, had like family members that were queer in some way mm-hmm. and some people were 
still in the closet and queer. And yeah. so it was kind of, that was his way of, of making it all work out, I think. And it, it's important to obviously have queer people play queer roles when when it's feasible. But yeah. I, again, this whole like the the screening process for that and especially for uh, teenagers or young adults when mm-hmm. a lot of people still don't come out in life until they're in their 30s and their 40s, you know, it, it takes a while and to, yeah. That, yeah. Or don't know what they are yet. Yeah. Which it, is a total thing. Sure. We have the cue. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, one actor I saw that's in it, David Joseph Craig, yeah, he's, he's a UCB alum yeah. that I used to see a lot oh, doing improv. I didn't know him personally, but I've seen him do improv many he's in that times. World. Yeah. Is he funny? He is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he seems funny automatically, like when I'm around him. He's ridiculous. Yeah. 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 I mean, he is so, I mean, that one, you mm-hmm. didn't need a character study to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's very funny and very uh, talented. So yeah. I was excited to see that he was in the film. So uh, moving and on he's to... he's another gay. Huh? We, we, he's another gay. Yes. We had to get as many as we could. Absolutely. Yeah, Got to collect them. <laughs> Got to collect them all. Collect them all. <laughs> like, like we Pokemon. have different types. We yeah. Like, one for every type. But most of them are sort of... <laughs> most of the gay men are like kind of twinkish. There's a mm-hmm. twinkish vibe. I feel like there's going to be a certain like older man who really enjoys this movie yeah. for some interesting uh, reasons. Oh, there's plenty of those. <laughs> they're, they're all in Chelsea. Every, every, time, every time I see like a lesbian movie in theaters, the audience, it's always like lesbians and like old couples. Oh, yeah. Or, or, just, or just like, or like old men by themselves. Mm, yeah. Less sweet. <laughs> Maybe sweet. No. I don't Could know. be. Yeah, it's a weird. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, gay conversion therapy. So <laughs> when <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll put in that sound effect later. Yeah. Every time we say it. <laughs> womp, womp. That's amazing. Uh, was everybody? Uh, I mean, obviously, your experience is limited to love and action, but mm-hmm. was everybody there? pretty much for religious reasons or were there people whose parents without religion were just not accepting and yeah i mean there are secular and religious institutions and actually the religious institutions are completely protected like even in the states where it's banned they're still running mm-hmm. it's our religious because they're doing freedom. so under the umbrella of like a a ch- yeah, a, it's, a church. It's a church, right? so they get to function wow. and do whatever the fuck they want to do. Yeah, um, that's a whole other battle we have to fight. But um, yeah, I mean, most people had been religious at one point or were at the time um, at Love and Action. But I would say, yeah, I mean, I think it was like whatever was the closest facility to you was where you went. Memphis mm-hmm. was kind of positioned in this unique place where it's like. People from Tennessee went there, people from Arkansas, Mississippi, and Missouri. So mm-hmm. it was just kind of like this little crux of like, we don't know what to do, so send your kid down there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. I, I imagine for a lot of the people who do go to gay conversion uh, therapy or to these camps and who are sent there by their parents have not been exposed to knowing any uh, gay people beforehand, or it's like very limited. So, what's it like showing up at this place where you know that you share this? Yeah, 
thing with everybody mm-hmm. who who's there. That but also under those circumstances. That's one of the things that I I loved about Cameron Post actually is that it really explored that part of the experience. Is like, oh, this is the first queer group you've been in. Yeah, you know, and that, what does that feel like? Like you must have so many questions yeah. for everybody, but <laughs> yeah. you're also you not a lot about. Them. Them. But yeah, but you can't. I know yeah, exactly. I uh, you know, it was really strange because I felt like so embarrassed for myself just being there. Like, for two reasons. One is like, oh, I've got this affliction. And the other reason is like, this might be bullshit and I feel insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and those two existed at the same time. And then, so like, pretty much all the shame that you're feeling ends up being projected onto everyone around you. So you're like, oh, well, he's too femme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like, oh, she's too butch. Like, and you just do this like weird thing in your brain where you're judging pretty much yourself and everyone around you and it's humiliating. Sure. Um, and they, like the counselors there, cultivated that spirit of surveillance. You know, like mm-hmm. if I would stand a certain way, they would correct my stance. I mean, that was very interesting in, yeah. in your book about yeah the the corrections and how specific the the rules were for what there were like for physical rules. presentation. Like, yeah. like, like yeah. women had to shave um, in very specific right. ways. Skirts. Yeah. Like right? certain, like, like, like yeah. at the knees or something. So very, I would have like so women hot. good at this. Yeah. It's also Memphis in the summer yeah. is just right. not a good time to wear like really thick and long skirts. Wasn't yeah. it something like women couldn't wear polos or something like that? Yeah, which like too would mask. have destroyed my yeah. teenage wardrobe, yeah. oh, totally. which was half polo shirts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean they conflated gender expression with sexuality, which is yeah. just like okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous <laughs> in yeah. hindsight. Um, but I think, you know, it, something that the film really emphasizes is this sort of outside-in mentality. Like if you just fix this external surface, mm-hmm. then somehow that presentation will affect you inwardly. And, you know, what's really messed up about them is that they get a few things kind of right. Yeah. Like, you know, whenever you like make yourself look good in the world, like that can really help your mood. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. true. So they would say things like that, only it would be about gender. Right. And yeah. you're like, uh, okay, I guess it's like an outfit. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. You know, I, they would do that stuff all the time and they would, they would mix in like anytime you would have a doubt, they would be like, well, doubt is healthy. Yeah. It's healthy, it's in the Bible. Doubting Thomas. Yeah. Um, and then they would be like, oh, you've got to get rid of this internal shaming cycle. So they would shame you and tell you that you had to get rid of your shame. It's, it, it's something else. Yeah. yeah. Because it's not like the Westboro Baptist Church where you go there and have to yell, like, God hates fags, like over yeah. and over. It's like they use logic. Yeah. In a way where it's it's very much normalizing this narrative that you should hate yourself. So yeah. in that way, to me, it's like more insidious and sinister yeah, than than just your outward, you know, wild ass middle of the field, like mm-hmm. you know, tent revival. And type there of were those, and you know, I mean, I think one of the things that people like critics of the film that have seen early versions, some of them have been like, oh, it wasn't dramatic enough or intense enough, and like. I can see that from a storytelling perspective, but I'm yeah. like, okay, but psychological torture is actually terrifying. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like the ways that that works on people, like I feel like I have a brain that can easily at any moment turn into like funhouse mirror crazy. Yeah. Cause I can just be like, 
switch. Okay, mm-hmm. anything logically can go, and I can make it fit into all of these strange ways. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's something that everyone who survived conversion therapy of that particular type lives with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you can turn it into a superpower. Like I write novels now that are incredibly complex and show like characters learning how to deceive themselves and that so I just use it because I'm like oh got it yeah but um but I do think in in my personal life like that has affected me so much over the years because like boyfriends at different times would be like what are you even talking about and I would be like I would have like outlined this like logical like complex baroque thing about a decision that I made that like hurt them and they'd be like what are you even talking about? Mm, like yeah. that doesn't make sense at all. And I would be like, "Oh, you're right." And yeah. I would, like it would it's like you you have to snap out of it. Yeah, yeah. you have like a gold medal in mental gymnastics. Yeah, yeah. I got it. To survive. If yeah. you want to do that whole angels on the the head of a pen argument that people have been doing throughout philosophy, I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I can mm-hmm. make it all work. Like it's fucked up. But so, I mean, that's what fundamentalists do anyway. Yeah. 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 Definitely. It's just what they do. How was how did how was conversion therapy like this particular institute that you went to? Um how did like how did your parents find out about it? Like do they advertise I don't want to say the word advertise, but like how do they get the word out that this is what we do? Is it I assume it's primarily through church yeah. networks, but so they my dad immediately called a pastor that he respected at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis. I always called them out too. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, the pastor stocked all these brochures for Love in Action and had all these connections. The two groups, there were a few groups, but um, there were um, Focus on the Family was probably yep. the most insidious one that really peddled this across like radio stations and and put brochures into people's churches. And and you know if you do your homework you know that Mike Pence as well donated a lot of money. I was gonna say they have them. a lot of financial yeah. backing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I've heard, like, if I've heard of them, then they're big. Yeah, and he was a big supporter of conversion therapy, which he's yeah. now like trying to distance himself from. Yeah. for now before they like. Start it doesn't mean board. he no longer believes in yeah, it. He's exactly. just trying to distance himself from he's from, like, from a now unpopular yeah, yeah. opinion. Yeah. Except except now they're like putting this whole guise of religious freedom to use like you know they they want to protect parents to make sure that they can send their kids wherever they need to. Mm-hmm, but that's yeah. a whole other issue. Um, but yeah, uh, I I was actually watching, so my husband, I don't know why he loves country music so much, but he does. And he uh, he had on, was it CMT, that channel, yeah. country music channel? Yeah. Which is like creepy. Yeah. It's a real creepy <laughs> station. Um, and there was there was an ad on it that I was like, dying laughing about it was like this bible this electronic bible that's really snazzy looking and it reads aloud to you in this like really pleasant female voice and it's like it like it just has this voice that like feels like it's inspirational and beautiful and it had this like all these white families like in this like you know how this they always frame these commercials with like crazy sunlight yeah Yeah. clouds and like it's like blinding sunlight that looks like it's going to actually kill the whole family. Yeah. But it looks like, like a nuclear yeah. blast in the distance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like and they're, so then they like do this close-up of the Bible thing. And I was so shocked that that was a commercial that could be on TV. Yeah. Like yeah. It looked ridiculous. And Shahab was like, oh, it's, it's CMT. Like that's, and I think that that's what it, like 
that's the thing about conversion therapy is that we're not watching those channels. Right. Yeah. But it's it's being advertised on those other channels. Yeah. Not I'm and not the radio saying stations CMT, and the I'm not saying CMT is supporting right. conversion therapy or whatever, but but still, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like it's it's the the media that we ex- naturally expose ourselves to is not the kind that they no. would ever put an advertisement on. Where I'm and not listening to AM Christian yeah. radio. You and know, Facebook just got in trouble actually for uh, for allowing a conversion therapy ad to reach out directly to LGBTQ individuals. Oh my gosh. I'm starting to think Facebook sucks. Evil. <laughs> it's evil. I actually stopped. I don't have, I don't I use like it. I like stopped. I mean, I still have a, an author page. Yeah. But I, I just don't use it because I was like, that's really, that's really fucked up. Like, it how is. did no one catch that? So, conversion therapy, it, it's obviously very dangerous in that it makes uh, teenagers specific. Is it mostly teenagers? Yeah. I mean, it, you can do it at any age, but sure. the, the, but easiest. nobody wants to be the creepy older guy yeah, at conversion exactly. yeah. camp. <laughs> yeah. They didn't mind, honestly. Yeah. Um, oh, God. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the 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 low-hanging fruit in the battle of, of ending conversion therapy is, like, getting it banned for minors who are being sent there mm-hmm. by their parents. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what we all talk about. And, obviously, that's the most dramatic and sort of insidious version it's mm-hmm. like someone coming into their sexuality and being tortured during that. Yeah. But at I, a time that's already you're like yeah. vulnerable and confused and prone and you're to like feeling suicidal. shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. So they, they're they teaching or encouraging kids not to accept themselves and to see themselves as being flawed and also yeah. not that you won't be accepted Which by God Which is already the and default state of life. teenage minds anyway, yeah, right? Like you're there. basically just exacerbating the, the weakest points of... I always say it's just a metaphor for what's already happening. Yeah. Like, conversion therapy is everywhere. It's yeah. Like, you just have to be growing up like LGBTQ. Yeah. <laughs> like, someone says something horrible to you and that's basically conversion therapy. It's just like all concentrated in one place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, I remember when I looked at a journal of mine from when I was realizing that I was gay and the first sentence was, I think something is wrong with me mm. and going on about mm-hmm. like, this isn't right. I grew up Catholic. Um, this doesn't align with everything I taught. What does this mean? Can I still be Catholic? Uh, luckily at no time did I think I'm going to try to fight this because I was like, no, <laughs> like I finally yeah. felt like, yeah. I was like, Oh, a lot of things made sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Like now I feel like a norm, what this is, what it must be like to feel normal. Yeah. Like oh, when you accept your yeah. sexuality where like the rest of the time you're like, I, well, I just think of it like on a boy is so performative, right? Yeah. Or it's like if you had been trying your whole life to write with the opposite hand mm-hmm. because yeah. everyone else was, which yeah. I mean, I'm left-handed. So like, had I been forced, which many people were for a long yeah, time, to write with one hand, yeah. Um, I actually knew someone who was like, I think closeted in college. She didn't end up marrying a man, and she, but she would like tell me things, and she was drunk. Anyway, long story. She <laughs> wrote with her right hand because she was forced to. Mm. Yeah, she's actually left-handed though. And I was like, I wonder how that, how much that kind of like, because that is literally trying to trick your brain yeah. to do, be dominant on the opposite side. Like, yeah. that's that is such a small version of what I think could be extrapolated psychologically into what conversion therapy yeah. is. And, then yeah. like and that's having, how you can kind of explain it to people. Like, imagine, okay, like hold a pen in your hand where it's comfortable. Now you can't use a hand anymore. Use the yeah, other hand, and that exactly. that has to be your normal. Yeah, you know, like it's it's just never going to make sense no, to you. Ever. Never fully. 
Yeah, never fully. No. You can try and you can get by, but it's it's yeah. always gonna fuck you up. And a I think one of the I like I found so many insidious things about conversion therapy after the fact. Like, like I think what's really terrifying is that several people who believed that they'd been cured, yeah, were obviously bisexual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like they. Yeah. Like, and they're just like, well, I'm cured. Works. Yeah. Right. It's like, no, you just like, no, you like women just and you like choosing men. one. Yeah, exactly. So it's that seems you sad still to me like too. you still feel this. I can't. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't imagine. I'm assuming all the people who my other question about this particular organization and maybe, um, you know, and ones like it that I'm sure you've like researched and know a lot about. But are these run as, you know, like uh, tax status or whatever aside, are mm. they making money off of this? Like, yes. So do people have to pay? Yes. Okay. So my parents paid, I think it was like $3,500 for just two weeks. Just wow. A lot. Um, it might have been twenty. I can't remember exactly the number, but it was, a lot of it money. was for someone who was thoroughly middle class to lower mm-hmm. middle class. That was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, you could have got braces. I know. Yeah. Well, I did earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I can't see your teeth behind the, the mic right now. Years. So that wasn't yeah. a comment on. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like, that's the cost of like a new roof on a house yeah. or something yeah. for a middle and then, class family. So yeah. I was so angry. I was, I was doing this whole like, oh, I'm going to have compassion for these counselors who did this because many of them were LGBTQ later, you know, they came out. Sure. Um, and so I ex- extended a lot of compassion that way, not like all of it, but like enough to mm-hmm. write the book. And then, um, I actually contacted this organization, the Mattachine Society of, of Washington, DC. They're a really old LGBTQ group and they found like through all of the records that were available, they found that the year, like one of the years that I was there or the year that I was there, they made like a million dollars. Oh my God. Wow. At this like small operation, so that like all of the compassion that I had for oh, them just evaporated just instantly. Yeah. I was like, I didn't know it was that much money, you assholes. Yeah, right. like so are they? If you were just trying to like keep the ship running, right? You that's know, like one your thing. standard kind of nonprofit sort of thing where they, yeah. you know, they cut corners. It's a bare bones yeah. facility. It's you know, it's whatever. But you know, Smid now he's married to he's the guy who ran the camp. He's married to a man whose his husband's wonderful actually, um, and they live in Paris, Texas, and make furniture and stuff. And it, it's easy to like go okay. They sound like a couple of dykes. Yeah, yeah. I know. Making <laughs> furniture. What's up with that? They kind yeah. of are. Yeah. Um they go to car shows and do like antique oh, cars. Yeah. It's real neat. Uh, um, that's relatable. Yeah. So they <laughs> they were in Patagonia, I'm sure. Um but it's easy to be like, okay, that's the happy ending. Like we've reached the state of redemption where this person is now like come to terms. And then when I heard about the money, I was like, Oh, your ranch house that you have with yeah. your husband. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, now I kind of want to burn it down. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that being said, I mean, Smith and I do talk. Like, we'll we'll email each other, and he has apologized and tries to do the right thing. I just think that someone who has deluded themselves for that long and been really damaged by it and sold that story and like is responsible for the deaths of a lot of kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is never going to fully reckon with the past. 
There's no way. Yeah, because as, as humans, we do a lot to avoid having yes. to feel the feeling of shame. And even and for somebody for who was anyway. in the business of shame yeah. and profited from shame. Yeah. yeah, like literally just trafficking in it. And doesn't like, want to have to feel that certain shame. And there are like certain types of shame that we're okay with feeling with the mm-hmm. others that we're like, no, I'm going to protect myself from yeah. really having to, yeah. because the weight would be too much to bear. Um I don't yeah. know. Yeah. That's, that's complicated. Oh, but he could have donated like all the money he made. Yeah. Oh, for you sure. Know, there's have. that. For sure. Yeah. 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 So because these these companies, I guess, is what you can call them, or, you know, these, these institutes make all this money and they, uh, I think, can, can obviously be directly, you know, in, in my mind, be held responsible for suicides and for mm-hmm. things like that. Are, are they, can they be held civilly liable? You know, if they're religious, I don't think that they okay. can. So that's part of yep. the protection of Although, that. Also, I imagine that's a tax shelter, too, to yep. be a religious organization. And Trump almost took that away from religious organizations with his tax law. And you know, Penn um, stepped oh, in and was yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah. actually, you're going to lose everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so, actually, there's a really interesting development in this whole battle. So, Evan Lowe, who is a, he's a California assembly person, and he, uh, he tried to push forward a bill that was going to say that conversion therapy is fraud. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where the battle lies. Okay. Like if we can mm. get that classified as fraud, then mm-hmm. they can be sued. Then you can be sued okay. if you're a religious organization as well. Oh, because the conversion therapy itself is fraud. Okay, you can't take money for it. So, you know, even though there could be organizations that continue, they wouldn't get their money from that. So okay. even if they continue to do convert, I mean, it's it's a long. Yeah, complicated I'm sure there there would be loopholes. Yeah, in, in there are all sorts of loopholes. The- but we could stop the majority of conversion therapy facilities from functioning and just chop them off at the legs mm-hmm. if we could get this to happen. Wow. So I can't talk about all the details, but I met with him, and there was so much insane opposition to this from the religious right in California that he went on a listening tour for like a couple of months and had to listen to like all of these religious people basically say like well we don't necessarily love conversion therapy but we want parents to have the right to choose what they do with their kids um and like he just had to kind of eat that wow. politically and then the bill was shelved so that's where we are now so There's it wasn't so, it wasn't killed it was just kind of tabled or it was tabled okay. and i think that he's i mean i don't want to talk too much yeah. about it because I don't want to mess anything mm-hmm. up, but um, there's some strategy going on, mm-hmm. and I I'm like I hope that that will eventually happen because mm-hmm. that's the only way we can actually stop it. I think, yeah, because yeah. these religious organizations are just going to continue to do this and be protected. Yeah, I mean, even though the public is becoming increasingly aware that one this exists and that it's not a thing of the the past, and it happens even in California and. Uh, all around the country, like there are just so many people that are <laughs> still mm-hmm. being ah, uh, it's well, and also it's like how, okay, so then the hard part, I guess, from that point would be defining specifically what conversion therapy is, because I mm-hmm. imagine if let's say if that if the financial legs were cut out from under them as far as taking money for it, then they could just sort of shape shift into 
well, this isn't conversion therapy. This is just yeah. religious counseling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like crisis pregnancy centers that yeah. you go people yeah. go in and actually Spiritual realize counseling. it's just. It's an anti anti abortion. Well, there was a whole thing thing. with Love and Action where they were dispensing like medicine at one point and they got in trouble for that. Yeah. So this is a crazy tangled web. But whenever they hired a lawyer or a law firm to represent them, do you know who it was? It's the same group that just won the masterpiece cake case. Whoa. So uh, I think it's called Alliance Defending Freedom now. It was something else, Alliance Defense Fund. Sounds very noble. They love pull, throwing the word freedom. freedom Anything that has the word freedom in yeah. it, I'm always like, or liberty or yeah. something, you know. So they were another group and they have, they pretty much only take homophobic cases. Yeah. <laughs> like ones that they can win. And they're the ones who won Love and Action's lawsuit so that they didn't have to pay anything really or like it was like settled out of court. Yeah. And they they got away with everything, and now they're they are working very closely with the current administration to put together language around religious freedom and protecting that. And that's why, to circle back around, if Kavanaugh gets confirmed, we're in for hell mm-hmm. because they're going to use all of that religious freedom language, just yeah. like they used in their Republican platform, the same language. About protecting kid, uh, protecting parents' rights. Yeah, and it's going to be wide scale protection of conversion therapy. Were yeah. there we're right like we're right yeah. on the cusp of that happening? Yeah. Were there any trans people at Love and Action? Yeah, um, it was hard to always identify where people were on the spectrum because yeah. we were, like our identities were like just sort of taken away. And so, and you know, they didn't understand language surrounding the trans experience. So. I wouldn't expect mm. them to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> since it's not the most enlightened bunch yeah. as far as. But. So they would say like, "Oh, you're you're a girl," like they would misgender, misgender, uh-huh. yeah, and they would like dead name, you know, all that stuff. Sure, kind of mm-hmm. fucked up. Yeah, I I just think about how how there's like this whole second layer mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm what a trans person would have to go through being sent to conversion therapy. And, and also that there are probably a lot more cases of trans youth being sent to not only religious conversion therapy camps, but to psychiatrists yeah. and mm-hmm. oh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it's still seen more as a mental disorder there that can be treated. at, this place, like uh, that, like are there the doctors who buy into this? The only licensed person there was a marriage counselor, so oh, not really. Wow. Yeah, um, it was all just like complete <laughs> insanity. Yeah, but on the trans issue, uh, do y'all remember Layla Alcorn? I, Al, I can't remember her last name, but she was very. Pu- it was very public, like her suicide, because they sent her to a conversion therapy camp, and she wrote a suicide note saying, "Like this is why I'm doing this," oh, and it wow. became a big talking point. And then um, I just actually I was uh, doing a photo shoot, and the person fixing my face to look like a fancy person, she was like, <laughs> she had been through conversion therapy as a trans person, oh, wow. and it was so it's such a weird moment to like be there to talk about conversion therapy and then the person who's doing your makeup is like somebody who escaped from Texas and like yeah. had this wild experience. Oh and my she God. was just like, yeah, it happened to me. I'm not happy about it. But And I was just like, wow, I can't imagine how yeah. 
much more intense I know, it yeah. would have been. Like, it's like a, just a mind fuck on top of a mind right. fuck. Because yeah. like, like, I, so I view much. this through the lens of like a person, a privileged cisgender person. Right. I can't even imagine. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Couldn't even wrap my mind around, around that extra layer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of what it, come, what it takes to come to the the realization that you are trans and then mm-hmm. have yeah. that thrown on, on top of it. And the culture anyway, especially like 2000, 2004, like when I was in conversion therapy, didn't even have like basic vocabulary for trans mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Were there any unintended consequences from going to conversion camp that might be positive? Yeah. I mean, I always try to resist that whole, like, I'm stronger because I yeah. survived. But, well, sure. but there is truth to some of it. Like, I think that it actually sped up my coming out. Yeah. Like, because... That was more what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. That it would make you be like, oh, yeah. yes, yes. I mean, because <laughs> I was outed by my rapist, which is mm-hmm. a whole other story. But, you know, so I didn't get a coming out experience. Yeah. And that sucks. But... It was like when I was being told to hate myself and to hate my father and all that stuff, I was like, this is the opposite of Christianity and compassion, actually. Yeah. Um, So I'm maybe not going to listen to everything these people are saying to me right now. Yeah. And that felt like a coming out on like a double level where I was like, oh, I'm coming out as not a fundamentalist. And that was, I think that was actually a bigger coming out for me than than coming out as gay in some ways. I know it's like an ironic thing to say about someone who's been through conversion therapy, but mm-hmm. you know, I the real enemy I believe is that fundamentalist thought that that I grew up in. That's yeah. the that's that's where all of that stuff is bred. Yeah. And it's been in the culture since the founding. Like we had a bunch of crazy preachers come over and be like, "Let me tell you, this is how you do it." And you slaughter these Native Americans mm-hmm. and and like that that sort of thinking, I, I believe, is the trajectory that I'm, like, after. Yeah. Like I'm, like, I'm always obsessed with it and always trying to, like, call it out. Yeah. So when I came out, I was, like, holy shit, this is a big battle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because they're all going to hate me. Yeah. You know? When you're an insider and you're suddenly an outsider, it's it's difficult. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for sure. Because, you're, like, you're immediately labeled an enemy. Yeah. Even though you understand everything about what they're thinking about you. Like you're like yeah. you're like, I no longer identify with you, but I totally get everything about why you're thinking this. Yeah. And they hate that. They don't like I don't think they like being understood. Mm-mm. You know, like actually <laughs> yeah, understood. No. You know? Actually seen for what they actually are. Actually seen, yeah. Yeah. Because there has to be some element of that. I grew up in a, in a, a just a non-religious household. We weren't necessarily, I mean, like I'm an atheist, but mm-hmm. like I sort of arrived at that on my own as a kid um, because I think of the lack of religious upbringing, but I imagine in that, in the fundamentalist thing, it's like they kind of know it's a house of cards. Mm-hmm. And then when someone figures it out, then that's they can't extremely threatening. It. Yeah. They can't stand it. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like, I feel like there's some sort of analogy there to mm-hmm. like some movie I've seen. Titanic? Know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the iceberg. I can see that. Yeah. Except like, I mean, I know everyone's had this argument a million times. Like there was enough room on that door. There was. Yeah. There was enough. 
I know, but I would have also pushed him off. Me too. Right. I'd be like, no room. Yeah. Um, he kind of yeah, deserved it. He kind of did. Because yeah. I feel like he was going to ghost her after that whole yeah. thing anyway. Jack Dawson, there's no way. I no. think he was going to return to his old like wayward kind mm-hmm. of ways. He wasn't going to settle down with Rose. No. Yeah. You Too know? many French girls to they, paint. Yeah. And like he kind of filled her head with like all these things we're going to do together. I think he was full of shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. I agree. <laughs> He was too cute. Yeah. He was he too was. cute for his own good. Yeah. It's dangerous. He was yeah. a pretty lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was like, his, his lesbian phase was like really. And he, then he turned completely. Oh, I don't... man. What a, what a 180. Like, yeah. just... <laughs> I mean, I don't want to shame anyone's right. progression right. at all. But, yeah. But it's just different. Yeah. It's just different. <laughs> at least he got better at acting along the way. Yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> it was what a, what, there's rough. some twists going yeah. on. He, he was only good career. at playing mentally handicapped people, in my opinion. Right. Was, yeah. like, Which weirdly is weird. convincing right, for him. Right, right. Uh, and then outside of that, I was like, oh. Wasn't he in What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was great in that. He was That's young, too. so weird connection. That is Lucas Hedges's father's script really oh interesting that is interesting yeah yeah so how did you so joel edgerton 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 he wrote the screenplay and he also plays yeah the guy the screenplay he directed it and he plays the evil one yeah how did you two connect like how does that that was weird I mean, I just Grindr. turned down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kidding, oh my I'm god, kidding. I wish. <laughs> He's a very I'm strapping kidding. man. He's yeah, like he is. He's but I only know yeah. I, I've seen him in, in a few things, but the role for some reason that sticks out to me is from Great Gatsby. So I just oh, think he's like one. this yeah. Yeah. machismo he dickhead, you know? Yeah, he was so mean in that. <laughs> but I'm sure yeah. Anyway, he's that's He's actually that's the, the sweetest person in the world. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. It's like I I like at first I didn't trust it because I was like, okay, what's this straight guy doing? Like, why is he so invested? Right. Is he going to torture us? Like, what's he doing? Yeah, when I yeah. saw that he wrote the screenplay, I was yeah. like, I, I sort of Everyone had that had alarm that. that went off a little bit. Everyone I had that. I, I, and then I had to Google. I was like, wait, is he queer? And but then he's not. So <laughs> no one, you know. no one knows. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, he, he dates women. Yeah. Um, but he, he's like, basically, I got this email two weeks before I got his email, where it was like. We want to do this film, but um, the the person wants to remain anonymous, and so does the the company. Mm-hmm. And like, this is how much they would offer. And my agent, I'm you know, I'm in like starving artist mode. Yeah, living in New York, and absolutely. I'm like, I will do anything. I'll Put do it on Lifetime. Any, I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, and so my agent was like, I don't think you should take this because, like, I know a bit more information, and we're going to feel embarrassed. And we're going to feel sad whenever we walk out of the premiere. And I was like, but it's money. Right. You're like, no, but they offered money. And so I turned it down. Oh. Because I, I actually was more afraid of my agent. <laughs> like, yeah. Than, than, like of not having money. What I'm like, How did move. I get her? I don't understand. So yeah. I just yeah. need to listen to her. That's a power move as a She's starving scary. artist to turn down yeah. your first offer. Oh, it was, it was intense. And I, yeah. I, I like actually cried about it. I was like, that was oh, like. For sure. I would too. I would have had rent. Yeah. yeah. Like I work in a restaurant. I know. Like, anyone could like, be right? like, we want to pay you to do I was anything. doing like, all deal. this crazy freelance work, like crazy, like, you know, freelance can be weird. Yeah. Um, and I was like reading like three memoirs at the same time and like providing people feedback and calling them and, you know, for no money. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot to turn down. And then um, 
I was rewarded by the universe. Yes. I don't know if I believe in that, but like a week later, it was like, oh, Joel Edgerton wants to meet with you and talk about doing this film like that's going to be everywhere. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, but still. So that that wasn't the anonymous. No. Okay. Yeah, I got a new offer like a week later as a reward for being principled. Yeah. Did you ever find out? <clears throat> no, the, I wanted uh, to. She wouldn't. A Mike tell Pence me. production. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. It probably would have just been like some. I think they changed the ending, and right. then you just the like one, show up with your yeah. ex girlfriend, oh <laughs> like at the very last minute. Yeah. yeah. Um. Actually, there. I was told that like it was half my story and half John Smith's story, and that it would like. Oh, a both sides movie. Art. Yeah, and I was like, uh, mm, mm, no, no thanks. No. Yeah, both sides movie. That's yeah. What the, yeah. We're going to get like 15 of those in the next year. Yeah, totally. Um, but I turned it down and then Joel met with me and like immediately was just like, you can write the script. And I was like, I can't write my own rape as like a scene. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um, and so he he wrote it like rapidly. I mean, I, I describe it as a man who was possessed. Like, mm-hmm. He, he'd had, like, a real funk for, like, two years and couldn't write anything or do anything creative, like, other than act, which is creative. But he was just like, I don't, I don't have a project. And this spoke to him in this really intense way. So I just didn't question it. I was yeah. like, yeah, there's something there, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, every step of the way, he's, like, spoken with survivors of conversion therapy. He's sat and listened to me for hours as I like talk about LGBTQ inclusion and like done all the right things. He contacted every major LGBTQ organization that would help with representation before even starting day one. Wow. And I was like, okay, this is how you do it. Like, yeah. This is how this you is don't you... anger everyone. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's nice to know that there's a thoughtful man out there. Yeah, right. one. A thoughtful. Yeah. Actually, I this is not a hyperbolic statement like Joel Edgerton is the only straight male friend that I have yeah like that's a real truth well I think yeah. as queer people we, we have to set a high bar for yeah. the, the straights that yeah. we yes. let into our lives Joel Edgerton is the one well now I'm yeah. like a Joel Edgerton fan you should like, be that's it yeah I mean actually everyone in my life now is yeah they're just like oh he's real He's using his privilege yeah, to put a story out that needs to be told and yeah. does it in a thoughtful way. Like, so. I didn't believe in allies until <laughs> Joel did this. Yeah. yeah. I guess <laughs> when we have the revolution, he doesn't go on yeah. a page. Right. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. spare him. He can be yeah. one of us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll let him walk around on a leash. Yeah. That's awesome. A That's kind of sexy, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he is kind of a sexy guy. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, how, uh, so, Basically, from that point, you guys just yeah we so he he would run the casting by me and mm-hmm. run every script by me, and like even though I didn't rewrite anything, I would always tell him about tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would be like, okay, this this feels a little too straight. Like you mm-hmm. you that's your interpretation of what it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, you know I do think. I think the film would be a very different film if it were directed by a queer person and written by a queer person. And I think that it would be equally valuable to the culture. I think that the value in in this film for me after having seen it like 15 times is like I think it's an arrow shot directly into the heart of of the middle of America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's going to affect them if it reaches them. 
you know, it will affect them because it's it's like in the language that can change them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like so it's not like when I watch it and I've heard like feedback from other queer people who've watched it and they're like, that was really hard to watch. Not for the reasons I thought it would be. It's because like I had to have some sense of like humanity for these people that were doing this. And even though it takes a real clear side, like the side of queer people, it's like showing where it comes from and, and like just by showing those lives and the decisions they've made, like my parents, it's like, it just automatically makes them human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that we're not used to that in many ways. Like when we look at conversion therapy, it's usually through the lens of like farce or or like satire or at least a little bit of satirical material in there. Yeah, it, it's not a Cruella DeVille yeah. being like, right. get me the puppies yeah. and kill yeah. them out. Like yeah. these are Which is fun three-dimensional too. people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's, you know, that's a weird place. That's a weird balance to have because yeah. you're you basically have to say in order to get the whole story, you got to humanize them a little bit. Yeah. It was scary. I know. Ugh. But I'm uh. proud of it. I mean, I think that we can really, like, I think that we're going to really shame a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's one of my main goals with this. Like, Good. my book was meant <laughs> as, like, a survivor's testimony. And, like, sure. really, for me, it was a piece of art. But also, it was to document something as accurately as possible from a queer perspective. You, in your book, talk about how you used to write and journal. So writing has always been a a thing for you. Mm -hmm. Um, How long was it after coming out of that experience? Did you think, a decade Mm -hmm. for you to think I need to Yeah, I tried to write like really shitty novels that were like dystopias. Yeah. That were like basically the same thing that happened to me. Yeah. I was like, this is more powerful if I just describe it as a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because it is unbelievable actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, it totally. So whenever you have like a thing that says this is a true story, the unbelievability becomes like a, an interesting tool, you know, for the mm-hmm. reader. Cause they're like, they're, they're awakened. They're not saying, what do I need to do now to prevent this from happening? They're saying, what do I need to do now to stop this from continuing? Yeah. Which is a stronger, you know, activist stance. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, ever think that a movie would result from no, any of this? Not yeah. at all. Like that was just something. No that... one took my story seriously. Like yeah, I like whenever I decided I wanted to write it. Yeah, I got an agent pretty quickly, but we we sent it out to like thirty publishers. It was rejected by like twenty nine. Yeah, and one took it. I mean, all it takes is one. Mm-hmm. But still, it's like you hear the same thing over and over again. Too niche. Too whatever. T- I love the word niche yeah. in that Ugh. context. It's like just too gay. Just call me a is. faggot. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, and or then, just like that's that's yeah. what it is. Like niche. Like well, it's neat. No, it's just gay. I like, went through so many minor humiliations with this. Like I know that like as queer people, we're we're told we need to feel eternally grateful if we ever get anything. Yeah. <laughs> so like you have like to, happiness yeah. or yeah or, or like, this podcast. You're welcome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like you publish a book. You have a podcast. You should just be happy. Or that just you like have one. not receiving overt yeah. hatred in public. It's <laughs> exactly. like, see, lucky you. You made it. Times have changed. <laughs> uh, so like, but I had these little humiliations that I knew didn't happen to other writers, you know, mm-hmm. and. So I went into the Strand. I was so excited to be living in New York and go to the Strand and like really see my book there. Oh, yeah. So I go there and 
I couldn't find it. And so I asked, which I would never do now because that's embarrassing. But I asked at the time and I was like, do you have Boy Erased here? And they were like, hmm. And they were like, look it up. They're having troubles finding it. I'm like, oh, that's in fiction. And I was like, it's not fiction. And they're like, that's how it's labeled. I don't know. So I like go over and I find it in the fiction section. I'm like, this is nonfiction. And they're like, well, we'll see what we can do. Like you have one copy, it's in fiction. And then like a week later, I'm not calling the strand out because they're actually really big supporters of the book now. But, sure. But you know, there was there was some mislabeling. And and it got put in the LGBTQ section only <gasps> and nowhere else. Not in the new nonfiction, which wow. everyone else had. Yeah. It was immediately put in the basement in a corner, which is where oh, the LGBT section is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we all know where that is. Yeah. That's I the love second that hottest meetup for lesbians yeah. in New York. I love that section. But also, <laughs> let's have it in a few other places. I mean, it happened consistently. And reviewers were, like, lukewarm. You know, like, there was just no, mm-hmm. there was no, like, real conversation that was being started, which yeah. is the whole reason for writing it and torturing myself to yeah. do it. You know, putting my family yeah. through that. Uh, yeah, like I, that's why I, I, it kind of bothers me that there is a section for those, you know, because it's like you're basically just, and same with, you know, same with like Netflix or like yeah. anything where you can choose a category of movie or book or something. It's like you're basically saying that our stories couldn't possibly Mm-mm. resonate no. yeah. with straight, that's... with the mainstream. Like, I mean, it's the same thing for, for people of color and especially. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's Black an entirely people. different layer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we have a very talented friend, John Terry Gatson, mm-hmm. who is a poet and a comedy writer. And she'll be in so many meetings where they're, Basically, I mean, sometimes they just flat out say it. They ask her, how is this relevant to white people? And she says, I didn't write this for them. Yeah. So I and don't that, really like, care. That's fucked up. Yeah. Right. Especially after like Toni Morrison. You know, Toni Morrison right? was yeah. always saying like, I'm not writing for white audiences. Yeah. Right? Like why? John Terry's like, yeah. I don't care how white people feel yeah. about this. That's and they're not like, who. <gasps> I know. Like, but I'm like, yes. You can hear their <laughs> matcha green teas yeah. hit the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's the same. I mean, I, my friend Garth Greenwell, who wrote a really beautiful book called What Belongs to You, I I like would stand up and clap when I would hear this. He would basically say, you know, people would always ask that question yeah. at every mm-hmm. reading he ever did because it was, it was like set in Bulgaria with these two men who loved each other and one was a prostitute. and they're, So, you know, they were like shaming him on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, why would you write about a prostitute? It's like a cliche about blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I wrote about what I wanted to write about, and I write only for queer audiences. I'm not interested in straight people. Yeah. And like, what's so funny is like that book had like such huge critical success, and so many people were reading it that were straight and they loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, okay, like let's get over that. Like we can write for whoever we want to, and it's up to you to decide whether or not it's going to be mainstream. Like, it's up to the bookstores, it's up to the publishers labeling yeah. it the right way. Like, they just still haven't caught up yet. I mean, yeah. every time a movie comes out from, like, a, a wide cast of people of color, they like it's, like, insane box office. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because people are hungry for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like if Black Panther and Crazy Rich too. Asians has yeah. taught studios... <laughs> Anything, yeah. but they still it's haven't that. learned, and they Wonder still, still and they scared. won't learn. It's going to yeah. take several more hugely successful, yeah. you know, monetarily successful movies yeah. 
And yeah. yeah, exactly. The must be perfect thing. Like you only get one. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it like, has to be perfect. If it ever, if one of them, if one of mm-hmm. these big budget movies fails, then yeah. people will be like, oh well. Well, never again with an we'll all Asian cast. It. Or you know, the, I mean, thankfully these movies did do extremely yeah. well in the box office, but they I shouldn't know. have to be like they shouldn't have to break records yeah. to be because how many shitty white movies are made oh my god that don't They're, make any money either right they don't make any fucking and, they, and then they still get these same actors yeah. these, this license again failure and again to and launch again. <laughs> come on yeah oh that's my. where my mind went i love that it. movie I is lie. sort of a, an automatic i don't like, know if i've seen it it's mm. it's pretty bad is it? i think i might have watched it on an airplane once and oh. i was like yeah. this airplane is too good it's for like this a movie. it's the kind of a movie that comes on on tbs at like okay. four o'clock on a wednesday it's like right a, after also starring Matthew McConaughey, Made in Manhattan. <laughs> it's like, do you have sympathy for oh, no, wait, for man the wedding planner for manchilds? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. This oh, is the movie God, for the you. manchild trope. Man but it's, yeah. it's that it's they like love it. the same, you know, and these actors and these directors and writers that just keep getting shot after shot to make a yeah. good movie. Like not to be an asshole, but like when Amy Schumer has made like five oh, yeah. flops in a row, yet she still gets work. Yeah, and I know. How did she not know? I know. That movie I mean, there are movies. people in my phone contacts who could write a better movie than that. Oh yeah, and, and yeah. are and and how or you know do do funnier work and better work. Yeah, but do y'all know. consistently like I'll see so many movies that are hyped all year, and almost every time I'm like I like it's not ego. It's like I know I could write a absolutely amazing movie. So. Um, we have a Canadian listener question okay. to Woo. round out the episode. I am 31 years old and finally coming out to my friends and family. Your podcast has helped me so much and not feeling alone. I recently began dating a woman who is amazing, but I'm struggling with this kind of imposter syndrome because I haven't been out very long. I find I am very self-conscious and I worry that I won't be enough for her. I know it's my own insecurities, but I wondered if you have any advice for women who have come out later in life. Ooh, um, I think that what you're feeling is perfectly normal. Very normal. Doesn't matter your age. That's just that's more of like a. It doesn't really matter when you get on the roller coaster, but the roller coaster is going to be the exact same yeah. in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's a perfectly normal emotion to feel. Um, and you're gonna, it's gonna take time, but you will for sure kind of come into your own and sort of build your own confidence in. You know, as a lesbian or a, or you know, a queer, however you identify, yeah. um, as a woman who dates women, and I think that's okay. And I also think that's not unusual in the beginning of a relationship to kind of feel like, am I doing this right? Are we good together? Am I enough? Well, also know that there's no one right way to be queer right. or to be gay. So there's not like this standard that you haven't met. It's not like, oh, you have to live in New York for 10 years before you can call yourself a, a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. You know, you identify with a way that is true to you and don't, I mean, obviously it's easier said than done, yeah. but, but, but don't feel like you're you're not this enough or that enough because of like your past experiences mm-hmm. with like men or, or whatever, um, you know, you are where you are in the process. And mm-hmm. as long as you're following, um, you know, y- your feelings and your reality. Yeah. Uh, and also like, it's important to communicate. I mean, that's just like, and yeah. it's your first, your first relationship, like your first relationship with like oh yeah it's a gonna person feel really of the important. gender that you feel you you should you know the person you should be with that's yeah. going to feel everything is going to feel extremely epic yep 
<laughs> in every possible way. Yeah. Like the highs are going to feel like mountaintops. The lows are going to feel like the worst you've ever felt in your entire life. Yeah. That's just how it like. So prepare yourself for that and just communicate a lot with this person. Yeah. And, you know, you have some catching up to do with some cultural stuff. Yeah. But we try to cover that in our episodes. <laughs> uh, watch the L word and know that it's yes. trash. Yeah. But watch it yeah. anyway. Still like it. Sort yeah. Of. Yeah. yeah. Still like it, even though it's one of the most just. It's like queer as folk for me. I'm like, what are what yeah. am I watching? It'll this? give yeah. you enough to talk about to like yeah. pass. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. And some of the Bet and Tina scenes thing. are really hot. But yes. anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'll chime in just yeah. a little bit yeah. on here. Please. I, like, I think that... I just forgot what I was going to say. I was going to say something really smart. My brain oh. is like in the food hungry mode. Where I know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wait, it'll come to me. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So I was just thinking like there's an analogy here because I, you know, I'm always being told like, you don't know that movie. Like you, you didn't read that book, you know, cause mm-hmm. I'm around a bunch of people who've read and, and seen a lot of things and sure. know culture really well. <clears throat> and my attitude toward that now is like, no, I haven't. I can't wait. Like, I get to experience it for the first time yeah. right now. And you don't. Yeah. So this is great. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go watch this classic movie for the first time ever and have an epic experience. Yeah. And I think that that's the that's attitude a great way that to we should all it. have. Like, how many of us would, like, kill to go back to some of those feelings that we had yeah. at the beginning? Right. Absolutely. I mean, some of them are not so great, but yeah. But you know, like it's a really great experience, and it doesn't matter what age you have it at. It's, yeah, it's the same mm-hmm. sort of intensity. So I always feel weird, but when we get a listener that's like, "I just came out," I'm like, "Congrats! I'm so excited for you." Yeah, but it's like I'm excited that, like, knowing that coming out is some level of acceptance. Yeah, and it's freedom. It, like you've you're figuring something out, or you've figured it out. Um, and now you get to like live that truth. Mm-hmm. That is very exciting. Yeah. It's, the whole weight has been lifted off your shoulder and I can. Yeah, there's a lot of, the, yeah, there's a lot of kind of milestones and there's a lot of things about the, you know, kind of the baby lesbian years that I wouldn't really go back to, but I'm glad they happened. And it was, and also An exciting to, time. To, to hurt to this listener's credit, I think that I would have had an easy, like, as someone who's like 30 plus, you are much more capable of handling some of these things. True. Probably. Yeah. Like I was 20 when I was experiencing all those things. So I was still kind of in, um, you know, I was that age and yeah. that does make it harder. So I think that you probably are at an advantage here emotionally and like in, in an emotionally intelligent way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I was like 17 this. and not knowing, like I'd never been sexual with anybody before. Yeah, so yeah. it was like having to yeah, I really navigate hadn't those insecurities on top of, right. you know, being with someone of the the same gender. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, I think you're, I think you're in a good place. I think it's going to feel weird, but it's, it's yeah. going to, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And those Canadians are nice. So yeah. They and you have free healthcare, so it can't be that bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Garrett, thank you so much for coming and talking. This was wonderful. Um, Everybody go and see Boy Erased on November 2nd, but also read the book because they're going to be very different uh, experiences. Is there anything else? Where can people follow you? Um, I'm on Twitter. You're on Twitter? I got that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Instagram. Yeah. I'm angry on Twitter all the time now. So That's perfect. Good. Sorry. I guess that's what Twitter's for. Yeah. Yeah. It's at GayRodCon. 
G-A-Y-R-O-D-C-O-N. Great. Wonderful handle. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And you can follow us at Diking Out everywhere. Um, thank you so much. Keep writing in, dikingout at gmail.com with any of your questions. And dike out with us again next week. Yeah. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Yeah. That was awesome. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.